And so we're looking at We Are Wesley. That's the topic for the fall. And today's topic is We Are a Resilient People. And this is an appropriate topic because we all need to be reminded of spiritual stamina. How do we continue to develop that in our lives to be a resilient people spiritually? Um, And no matter what we face in life, how do we continue to overcome challenges and hurdles that might come our way? Because life can feel like you're running a race. And the Apostle Paul uses that analogy frequently, in the, particularly in the book of Philippians. But um, that the life of faith is, is like you're running a, a, a race. And that it requires resilience. Has anyone in here ever run a marathon? You want to you you be proud about that? This is your chance. Anybody? I, I see a half hand. Okay. A half marathon. Maybe it was a half marathon. Yeah. You know, you, some people have those stickers on the back of their car, 26.2, right? I saw a car one time that said 0.0, I don't run. <laughs> now, I've run a few 5Ks in my life, not recently. <laughs> I've, I've retired from those. But I did run a few back in, back in the old days. And, uh, and you know, there's, there's something, when you run a race, very few people that enter those races enter them to win. Like, I was never in my mind, was like, I'm going to win this 5K. Like, this is not going to happen. Like, I'm not interested in winning. You just want to finish, right? Like, that's the goal. I just want to get across the finish line without dying. Like, I just want to make it, you know? And I had two motivations when I run 5Ks. Don't walk, even though you really want to walk. You know, (laughs) I'm just fighting it. I'm just, I'm going to keep pumping those arms. I'm not going to walk. And secondly, my motivation was not to lose to the to the dad pushing a stroller. <laughs> it just can't happen. Or a woman, either one. You can't, I cannot lose to you because you have weight in front of you. I remember the last 5K I ran, there was me and a dad. We're kind of leapfrogging each other the whole time, and he's pushing his kid. And I'm like, I cannot lose this guy. And we get up to the finish line, and I stick my chest out, and I cross right in front of him, you know, and I'm like inwardly feeling like a total loser. <laughs> he's probably thinking, who is this guy, you know? But the goal of a race is just to finish it. We just want to finish the race. I don't want to just survive this life, but we want to thrive as we run the race to the finish line. Amen? We want to get there and, and thrive with resiliency and power as we do that, that God gives us grace to run this race. And he does, and we'll look at that. Because when you run a physical race, you have mental toughness, you have uh, physical, of course, resilience, but in many ways, the, you know, another analogy you could use is that faith in Jesus is like a muscle, and when you use it more frequently, it becomes more resilient. It becomes stronger, obviously. It becomes something you rely on more and more and more, and if you don't use it, then yeah, it, it's kind of, it atrophies, and when it's kind of feels weird at first. If you're not a Christian person, it just feels awkward at first, but it gets easier as you go along. It's sort of like um, there's, a, there's a different level of soreness compared to running as compared to, like, playing a game of basketball, right? You use totally different muscle groups. And I was, I was reading about the story of this young woman that won the U.S. Open, Coco Golf. Did you hear about this? this, this uh, I can call her a young woman. It makes me sound old now, but she's, you know, what is she, like, 19 or something, 20 years old? Um, and she won the U.S. Open. And a remarkable, uh, like, it's, and at the end of the U.S. Open, she gets down on her knees. You can show this. She gets down on her knees and prays uh, at her, her bench there. And on SportsCenter, 
says, Coco Golf took a moment to soak it in after winning the first Grand Slam. And Tony Dungy, an NFL coach, he says, I hate to break this to you, Sports Center, but Coco Golf was not soaking it in at this moment. She was praying. And she was very open about her Christian faith in the past. It's pretty obvious what she's doing here. I appreciated Tony for that, right? He's saying, she's not just soaking it in. Just say the obvious. She's clearly, she's thanking God in the highest achievement of her life so far, right? What a beautiful picture of resilience. And this is what she was interviewed after that. And an interviewer said, we saw you get on your knees and say a prayer. How important has been your faith for you? She said, it's been very important. I don't pray for results. I pray that I get the strength to give my all and whatever happens, happens. I'm so blessed in this life. And that's a beautiful picture of resilience, is saying, I'm going to give you, God, whatever I can with all that I've got, and I'll trust the results up to you, right? And whatever happens, happens. And hey, I won the U.S. Open. You know what? Next time I might lose it. But whatever happens, I have you. And that's the most important thing. I have the joy of the Lord in my life, you know, that, that I'm trusting you for the results, and whatever happens, happens. What a great picture of ultimately, of ultimate resiliency, uh, that it comes from our spiritual lives by, uh, uh, above anything else, because our bodies eventually will fail, we'll get older, things fall apart, but you'll never lose the Lord. You'll never lose the joy of the Lord uh, w- from within. You know, so when we, we talk about how we are, how are we a resilient people as a church, there are so many stories that you and I could tell over the past many, many years of how this church is amazing, and how um, your spiritual journeys have helped shape the culture of this church into more of a church of resiliency. When people come forward and speak to me or the other pastors and say things like, no matter what happens at Wesley Memorial, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to serve God here. That's a beautiful picture of resiliency and consistency. When someone says to me recently who said, I have cancer, cancer doesn't have me, I'm going to be in worship whether it's virtual or in person. But talk about a beautiful picture of resiliency, of Jesus at work within you, not giving up, because his resources never are depleted. Um, we're going to look at Second Timothy chapter 1 today, in which the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy. Now, we largely believe that Timothy was a very young man, uh, probably in his teenage years. So we all need spiritual stamina. We all need resiliency in our lives. But if you're particularly a teenager or a young adult, um, this message could very well hit home for you. Because um, when we talk about resilience, I cannot think of a generation uh, that needs more joy and resilience than Generation Z and the millennial generation right now. Um, No one tells you this, but the ages of 18 to 25 are actually harder than high school right? Because you're outside the bubble. There's no more protection. Like, you, it's just you, and you have to figure it out, you know? And so, you, you, to encourage you, I pray this message encourages you to see that Paul, he's writing to a young person, and he's encouraging Timothy um, to, be a, to be resilient in many ways. So, let's, let's check this out together. Uh, Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith, 
For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and, and self-discipline. So we're looking at three words today that I think you can pick up from this passage. And being a good preacher, they all start with the letter P. <laughs> prayer, passed on, and power. So we'll look at prayer. How is prayer a vital part of being resilient? Resilient in this life. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Paul is praying over this young man. Prayer. Prayer is central to resiliency. Though in many ways, resiliency springs from your secret prayer life with God. God's, God knows the inner parts of our hearts. He knows, our, he, hears, he knows all of your prayers. He hears them all. And so our resiliency springs from that relationship with God. Really, the answer to prayer is just to pray some more, to keep praying. Sometimes we overthink the whole praying thing. Like, some people seem to think that prayer is like this mountain you have to climb, and you're trying to talk to this sort of Zen master at the top, like a Yoda figure, you know, and he's going to tell you all the secrets of prayer. And once you get to him, he's going he's to whisper these things to help you attain greater consciousness and awareness. But when you get up there, all he's going to tell you is the secret to prayer is pray. Pray. Keep praying. Constantly prayer. To trust God for the impossible. To trust God over and beyond whatever obstacles in front of you. I remember when I worked at a mission camp um, in my 20s, and we had to raise money to pay for all the materials we used to pay for wheelchair ramps and things like that. So it was always a stress to have enough money to you know, for a 21-year-old 20, to go out in some town and raise $4,000, uh, which it was stressful, you know. So we would pray, like, God, we needed $500, which wouldn't sound like a lot of money, but it was back then. We needed 500 bucks to break even that summer. And we were constantly praying, God, God, we need $500. How are we going to get it? We don't know. The last week of the summer, I go to the P.O. box that we had, and I open it up. There's one envelope in there, unmarked, no return address, and there's five $100 bills in it. I could tell stories like that all day long of the ways that God is faithful when we pray. And I've always said this, but if you could see what happens when we pray, you would never cease to pray. And in many ways, we're, we're told, like in 1 Thessalonians, Paul reminds us to, all, to continually be praying, continually be having a conversation with God, continually be in communion with God, um, that now, now don't, don't get into a traffic accident or anything like that. Don't like space out on people while you're talking to them. But there is an attitude that we need to be praying continually, constant communion with God, walking with God. In First Thessalonians five says, "Always be joyful, never stop praying." That you see this connection with joy and prayer, that they are intrinsically connected. Why do you have joy when you're praying? Because you're closer to God, because you're talking to God. And God is love. So we need to be continually a people of prayer. Um, James 5.16 says to, to pray without doubt. Don't be like the waves of the sea, doubting this or that and hedging your bets and being sort of the mushy middle. He's saying pray without doubt. Pray that God's going to come through. The prayers of a righteous person, are, they're, they're effective, it says. That 
Now, let, let's, let's, let's look at that, though, because you might be thinking, I'm not, I don't feel very righteous. And that's probably true. Sometimes we don't feel righteous. In many ways, what that passage means is that if you simply believe God, the prayers of a person who believes God are effective. But that really goes back to Abraham. Abraham believed God, and God counted that to him as righteousness. That simply, now, if you read Abraham, Abraham was not a perfect person. If you read Genesis 15 and onward, Abraham made a lot of mistakes. But he believed God. He just simply believed God. He wasn't perfect, but he believed God in prayer. And he was called God's friend, right? And you and I can be called God's friend. So it's the prayers of a believing person. If you simply just believe God in prayer, they will accomplish much. Not prayers of a, simple, of a super saint or a designated religious person, you know, or if you're a pastor, my prayers are more effective than yours. Absolutely not. That you just believe God. There's no shortcuts to that. There's no podcast or anything like that. You just simply have to do it. And when you go through times of difficulty and trial, I don't know how people get through those seasons without praying. That God gives you inner strength and resilience to overcome whatever you're facing. So there's prayer, then there's passed on. As Paul reminds Timothy, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. Paul is, is teaching us that resiliency, like faith, is learned. We can grow into it. That Timothy had a spiritual mother and a grandmother. And because they had a genuine faith, so did Timothy. And it got passed on. So do you, do you have any spiritual parents, if you will, those who have impacted your life and your faith? I'm sure you do. Many of us do. Um, maybe they have modeled perseverance for you in so many ways and resilience. And maybe you don't have anyone, and that's okay too. Maybe you can't think of anybody. In many ways, unchurched people can be, um, can be great disciples of Jesus too because you don't have to unlearn any bad habits along the way. The church hasn't tainted you in any way and all the mistakes we make sometimes that you can have a more childlike relationship with God. But when I was growing up, we were always in church. Anybody that had this story every Sunday? Every Sunday we were in church, all right? And uh, sometimes we sit near the back so we could sneak out like five minutes early and get to lunch ahead of everybody else. Did everybody do this? It was just me. <laughs> but we were in church every Sunday, and I'm so thankful that I was because it modeled faith and resiliency for me and consistency. You know, my father paid his way through Wake Forest. He went to Wake Forest College back then. And that, that inspired me to pay my way through divinity school. Like, he modeled resiliency as well, you know. And we all had those stories we could tell, those examples. Because when I think about passing on res resilient faith to my children and to your children, to your grandchildren, I mean, what are the highest qualities we want to sow into this next generation? Because whether you know it or not, they are watching you. That's the craziest part about being a parent, right? Like, your kids will say something in just the same way you say it. Does that happen to you? And you're like, oh my gosh, I do say that. <laughs> like, like, sometimes we'll say, you know, it's a, we, we don't mean it, but we'll say like, oh, I was, I was just about to die. You know, it just makes me want to die. One day my daughter was like three, and she goes, I was just about to die. I'm like, I need to stop saying that. I need to stop saying that. I mean, so when we talk about sowing 
into our children and grandchildren, if, if you don't intentionally focus on that, the culture will disciple your children for you. They will, they will do it. It will happen. Either they run with a pack or they get left behind. It, it will definitely happen. I think one of the greatest attributes we can sow into our kids and our grandkids is a resilient faith and how to overcome obstacles in life. Because it's not a matter of if, but when. When will you need to trust God when you're faced with something very difficult? Because there's all sorts of great qualities we want want to sow into the next generation, like altruism, moral purity, financial success, getting in the right school, hanging out with the right people. But if, if they don't have a resiliency to overcome the trials they face and trusting God in the midst of that, I think we have failed. I think we have failed our kids and our grandchildren. We have to develop resilience in our children to show them to not be afraid to fail in front of your kids, to show that you're just a human being and that you're trusting God, how to walk and trust in Jesus. So when I was a youth pastor for so long, these studies would come out about kids that went through youth groups. And studies have always shown this, that church kids, 80% of them, when they get into college, stop going to church. 80, 8 out of 10, don't go to church anymore from the ages of 18 to 25. That's a sad number, but it's just the reality, right? But here's, here's the craziest part. Of that 80%, almost 100% of them return to the faith of their youth based on one principle. If mom and or dad continued in your faith journey week after week, day after day, if you maintained a consistency and a resiliency in your walk with Christ, that was the biggest indicator of spiritual health in your children. Isn't that crazy? It's actually not crazy. Because we do what's important to us, don't we? Our, our actions show our belief. Not perfection, but just consistency. Because if you love Jesus in your home in a way that's effusive and real and authentic and evident in your life, parents, your heart for Jesus will make an impact on your kids or the lack thereof. So, There's definitely a need for prayer and resilience that we can pass on that quality to our kids, a resilient faith, and also power. Paul says that resiliency is rooted ultimately in God's ability, not our inability. For God has, what a great verse to memorize, by the way. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. You know, if you really get honest, there's no end to what's wrong with us. (laughs) As I said earlier, we can continue to unpack all the things in our lives that need improvement. That, that's why it's important to put our focus, not, I mean, of course, on growing in our faith and becoming more like Jesus, but to put our focus on the joy of the Lord from within us, that he has given his, his people power. Pentecost did not happen by accident. He poured out his spirit upon the church for a very big reason, because God knows we can't do it on our own strength, right? We need his power. We need his strength to overcome. But here's the thing. See, you might be thinking, why do some churches have more power than others? Why do some churches I attend just feel different than others? 
God goes where he's wanted. The Holy Spirit goes where he is welcome, where he is free to lead as he wants to lead and bless the people as he can bless and heal and restore. You and I, I can't, I can't save anybody. I can't sanctify anybody. It's only the Holy Spirit that does that, right? Yes? Yes! It's only his power. You and I cannot do it. But the good news is that he has poured out his power upon his people that we can receive that by faith. I remember I went to a conference called uh, Charlotte Christmas Conference, and it was a thing by Campus Crusade for Christ. And they did this every Christmas. And I'd never been through anything like that. I was like 20, I think I was 20 years old. And there was thousands of college kids from across the southeast. And Crusade was started by a guy named Bill Bright. And I didn't know who this guy was. I didn't know anything about it. And at, at near the end of the conference, they had a video from him on the screen, and he had on oxygen tubes in his nose. And I was like, what's wrong with him, you know? And it turns out he had cancer. And within a few months after that, he would pass away. But as he's speaking in this video to all of us college kids, he is just, he's almost glowing. He's not ignoring his pain or his problems, but he has such a joy in the midst of horrible trial and he talked about that he said you know kids he called us kids which we were we're kids he kind of said you know what i'm going through what you could call an advanced class with jesus and it's called joy of the lord it's called knowing his power in the midst of my circumstance and knowing a stillness and a peace with god even when Everything around me is not so easy. See, he was saying, I have faith not in the event. I have faith not in the outcome. My faith is in Jesus. My faith is in his real presence in my life. And having the joy of the Lord no matter what comes my way. That's why the apostles and the disciples were singing songs in prison. They got their backs ripped open. They're praising God. They have the joy of the Lord that if God is for us, who can be against us, right? I mean, this is a generation that's dying for joy. To be reminded that you can have peace with God, that your sins are forgiven, that with God either there's healing on this side or healing on the other, that in Jesus it's all upside. Like, can we celebrate that good news? It's called good news for a reason. And we're not called to be a dower, but we're, a, we're you know, the people who what we're against. No, we're a church that's full of joy, that we can have fellowship with the Father. We can have fellowship with the Son, as we sang in that beautiful song earlier. Like, look at 1 John chapter 1. Get into the mindset of the early apostles, and let it be your mindset as well. Because they're tapping into the, the reality and the fellowship with the Father in heaven that we have just forgotten sometimes. We think it's for somebody else. No, it's for you. That you can have the joy of the Lord, the peace and the power of God in your life every day. It's not reserved for somebody else. John said this, we proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And they make statements like this. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. They're talking about just walking with God. And knowing the joy of the Lord in the midst of whatever may come. 
that you have his presence within you, his spirit within, the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives within you, church. Can live within you. That we serve a joyful father and that when we have fellowship with him, we, we share in his joy. We share in his power. Like when my kids were babies, whenever I was in their face, I was smiling, right? I mean, some of y'all embarrass yourselves in front of your children and grandchildren, right? Do you do this? Please tell me you do. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah, you'd be like, you know, kids, grandkids, you're going to take my sleep. You're going to take my money. That's fine. Because when I'm in front of you, I'm going to act like a fool. Because I love you. That I want my kids, and you want your kids and your grandkids, to know that when you're in their, your presence, when they're in your presence, they know the joy of, of you being a father or a grandmother or a mother, right? You want to know the, that fellowship. You hear what I'm saying? Like, like, it's the same way with the Father. When we walk with, in fellowship with the Father, we can walk in that same, that same joy, that same excitement, if you will. And then Paul closes his message here by reminding, can you back up to um, the, the, the first Timothy text? He reminds Timothy to fan, yeah, go, go forward, to, to fan in the flames. Go forward again, sorry, this is all my fault. Uh, <laughs> one more, <laughs> very end. This is, uh, yeah, he, he reminds Timothy to fan in the flames the spiritual gift when I laid my hands on you. Do you know that uh, if, if, a, if a flame doesn't have a container of any kind, what happens to it? It goes out. It could also get out of control and burn the whole house down, right? Like flames need a hearth. They need a, a container. And sometimes those flames get pretty low, don't they? Like the wick can about burn out. Or you need to stoke the fire. Maybe some of us need to be reminded of the, of the flame of the Spirit, of the power of the Spirit, that we do have a spirit of fear. We do have a spirit of timidity. And Paul says here, God has not given you a spirit like that. That's not from God. God has given you, what do you say? A power, and a sound mind, self-discipline. Who wants that today? I do, every day. I want that in my life. But sometimes, church, we have to lay hands on each other to help, to pray for each other, to bear one of those burdens, to pray that the Spirit would be fanned in the flame in our lives, to be reawakened in this way, to be reminded that, yeah, maybe in your life you're pressed right now, but you're not crushed. Maybe in your life right now you may feel persecuted. You're not abandoned. Maybe in your life right now you feel pressed down. You're not destroyed. Why? Because Christ is in you. That's why. Who, someone in here could be carrying a story of loss. You're literally carrying it every day, and it's like a wet blanket that covers your life, and you can't breathe, and you feel like it's never going to end. A loss. Or maybe you're carrying a story in which you feel like you have been anything but resilient, that you failed miserably, and you did, you did not have resolve, and you're carrying that day after day, and you need healing from Jesus. You need healing from his Holy Spirit. Or maybe you need prayer 
because you hear this talk about fanning the flame. You hear this talk about being a spiritual father or, or mother to others to be a good example for your kids. And you need prayer for that because you know that's not you right now. You know you haven't been doing that. And you know that you failed in that way. That's okay. We're here to pray for each other. Be reminded that we've not been given a spirit of fear or timidity. So as we sing these last songs, I invite you to come forward. I'll be over here to lay hands on you. Nat and some other friends will be over here to lay hands and pray. To pray that the Spirit would fan into flame, friends, the gift that God gave you. That you would grow in that fellowship with God. Grow in that faith in God. And that if you feel a lack of faith right now, trust God and say, God, give me faith. God, help me believe. I believe in the church. I believe in Christ. I believe in the gospel. I grew up in church. But I don't feel anything lately. I don't feel this power you're talking about. Then we need to pray for each other. It's the only way. And we're glad to do it. Because we need each other to run this race. And we will get over the finish line. Because that's the will of God for his people. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, fan into flame the gift within us. Fan into flame the gifts of your spirit in this church. Holy Spirit, fan in the flame power and authority from on high. Lord, to not walk in darkness, to not walk in fear, to not walk in passivity, but to lean in with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. God, to be reminded that you knock on the doors of our life, you pursue us day after day, And that when we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. So move in this time. Reawaken us, Holy Spirit. Let's not listen to intimidation or fear or worry, but wholeheartedly, open hands, run into your embrace. Fan into flame, Holy Spirit, these gifts you've given your church. Reawaken us to the eternal life that begins here and now. In Christ's name.